All right, uh, I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. Um, but I'm so much more. Uh, it's really, it's really great to be here, y'all. I've never really told my story like in this format. Um, Forty-five minutes seems like a long time, but it's also like hardly enough time. I mean, I could spend forty-five minutes talking about shit. I could spend forty-five minutes talking about the first time I smoked a blunt with the cool kids at school, and they thought I was fucking cool. I got so fucking high. I always wanted to get that high again, and I never would. I could spend 45 minutes talking about fast-forwarding to 20 years later. There I am sitting alone in my room, smoking a blunt, drinking a bottle of tequila, feeling absolutely nothing, just wondering why I'm so fucking alone. I could spend 45 minutes talking about how I feel today, fucking connected, plugged in, like people like me, like I have a purpose. Um, like I can be happy and live an amazing life and never feel the need to drink alcohol or use fucking drugs. I mean, I could spend hours talking about any of this shit, but I know there's like a format to these things. Please arrest me if I get off topic. If you have a question, feel free to stop me. I suck at telling stories, y'all. I can tell like a two-line joke or something pretty well if I practice it. But like a story? Nah, dude. I get confused. Things get out of order. It's a fucking mess. So I have some prepared remarks here. Um, how am I doing? Just Great. Pretty good? I said I'm John. I'm an alcoholic, right? Yeah. I mean, the cops are already on their way. <laughs> Alright, so um, DOCs, drugs of choice. Uh, weed was really the first one for me. I was a huge pothead for years. Uh, caught on to the booze, really when I turned 21 and could drink legally, and then it was off to the races. I never had any illusions about drinking normally. I I think maybe in the back of my mind I suspected what that could look like, but it's not what I wanted. I wanted to get fucked up and destroy my brain. Um, before the weed, I experimented with you know cough syrup, Robitussin, things like that. Um, whatever pills I could find in my mom's cabinet. Um, and before that, I was a little kid and I would spin around and just try to make myself dizzy. I don't know what it was, I just always wanted to change the way I feel. Um, needless to say, you know, I never felt like I really felt in or knew what love was or, you know, had any friends or knew how to be useful. Um, which brings me to my character defects. Yes, I'm very selfish. I'm very self-centered. I procrastinate. I, 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 I isolate like a motherfucker. I'm still bad at this. Um, I don't call people. I don't call people back. I don't talk to my sponsor enough. Um, I withdraw from things, you know. Uh, but I'm working on it. You know, it's a, it's a path of progress, not of, pers of perfection. Um, I have a lot of fear. I'm fucking afraid of everything. That was always my problem. They say that resentments are the number one killer in this thing, and I've definitely had my share of resentments. I think there are still some weird ones simmering under the surface that probably need to be looked at in the next couple years, um, but I'm a fear guy. I, I was so afraid of everything. I was afraid of responsibility. I was afraid of just living life like a normal person. Um, I was afraid of women and relationships. I was af afraid of 
fucking getting out of bed in the morning, practically. Um, I just didn't want to do it. I started thinking about killing myself when I was in third grade. And, you know, I've uh, obsessed about that at certain times in my life to uh, an unfortunate degree, for sure. I just wanted the easy way out, y'all. You know? I just wanted to take a pill, change the way I feel. Drink a bottle, change the way I feel. Put a fucking gun in my head and change the way I feel permanently. Like, that's what it was about. And if it sounds sad, yeah. <laughs> it made me sad for, for a long time. But don't worry, I'm going to get to the part, because there's the format. There's the what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And, uh, yeah, what is it like now? Um, I'm going to get super distracted, y'all, and a lot of crazy shit is going to come out of my life, or out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh, so whatever does come out of my mouth tonight, really know that, I mean, my life has been immeasurably improved by the four and a half years that I've spent in this program and away from alcohol. Um, I mean, people like me now, people respect me. Um, I even like some people, um, you know, like I have a relationship with my family and with a higher power. I've been rocketed into the fourth dimension of experience uh, that I never could have dreamed of. You know, it's everything I was looking for in that bottle and never could find. Um, I will mention, like I said, weed was my, my drug of choice for a while. I didn't stop smoking weed until about, like, two and a half years ago. I have a timeline here. Yeah, it was April 1st of 2018. My sobriety date is February 29th, 2016, of the booze. Um, yeah. So I got a lot of character defects. Um, I should mention it's probably safe to say that I'm bisexual. And uh, that was something I was really uncomfortable with for a while. Um, that definitely accelerated my drinking, I think. Um, I just was never comfortable in my own skin. And I wanted to drink and take drugs to change the way I feel and obliterate my mind and forget about it all. So... That brings us to the timeline. I was born in 1982. Oh, what? I'm just getting started. <laughs> yeah, we got some. We got plenty. There's some more inside by the bathroom. Too. All right, perfect. Cool. Yes, there is. I'm sorry, but I didn't want it so hard to be secretive right now. <laughs> All right. Just a little bug spray snafu. Y'all will edit that in post. Um, yeah, I was born in 1982, so I'm 38 now. My family, mother, father, sister, fucking normies, man. It's the worst. Total fucking normies. And my sister drinks. I mean, she loves to drink. I mean, she was a binge drinker. She still gets drunk sometimes, I think, but she just doesn't have any consequences. And, I mean, she's like my mom. Like, when she gets home... She fucking stops drinking, gets ready for bed, and goes to sleep, and that's it. It's not like me, where when I get home, like, that's when the party really gets started. Like, now that I'm by myself and I can drink how I really want to, like, now it's going to happen. Um, my father, I don't think I've ever seen him take more than, more than two drinks. It's crazy. I think there are two cousins on my mom's side that may have had some problems with alcohol and cocaine, but, um, yeah, excellent. Uh, so 94, started with the Robitussin, got into the cigarettes and the weed, the gateway drugs, of course. Was a pothead through high school, 
Um, you know, I tried to go to college at the University of Colorado and fucking failed out, dude. Um, I should also mention that I'm fucking bougie. I'm a spoiled brat. Like, the opportunities I've trashed in my life are appalling. I mean, they're horrifying and super embarrassing. But, uh, that's why we're here, you know? I don't wish to shut the door on it. I mean, I do. I definitely want to shut the door on all this shit. But it wouldn't be fair to you guys. It wouldn't be fair to myself. Um, it wouldn't be fair to the great sponsors I've had in this program that have worked so hard to to get me to this realization that I've come to. Um, and like I said, in 2003, when I turned 21, I started drinking in earnest. Uh, I remember on my 21st birthday, um, this is this is what I did, this is what I did on my 21st birthday. Um, I skipped all my classes at community college, uh, turned my, I had a cell phone, it was 2003, right? Turned it off. And I went to the wine store, got, like, the biggest bottle of fucking sherry I could find, because it had, like, the most alcohol in it, and literally just, like, drove around in my car, like, drinking that bad boy all day. And then when it was time to go home, like, I stopped by the liquor store and got some airplane bottles of rum and took shots of those, just so that I'd be totally fucking blasted uh, for the lovely surprise party that my mom had planned for me. I was a fuck-up, y'all. Like, I didn't want anything to do with this life, you know? I just... I really had no... No designs on normalcy at all. Um, which, ironically, I think is kind of what made it easy for me to come into this program eventually. Because I was, I was always sort of an all-or-nothing guy, you know? Um, 2004, totaled my first car. Um, I was house-sitting for some people. I drank a 12-pack of Coors Light at my parents' house by myself and blacked out. I drove to the people I was supposed to be house-sitting for. And this was a Saturday. I remember um, being stopped and being jarred out of my black blackout by the gentleman next to me who was like, Hey, hey, man, you got to fucking chill out. There's people driving around here. And there were. This is Tyson's Corner, Virginia. I mean, this is... It's always rush hour there. Uh, it's like a huge shopping district. And I was like, yeah. And then I pulled into the next gas station, got another 12-pack of Coors Light. Five minutes later, passed out and fucking ran my car into a ditch. Um, fortunately, faced no consequences. You know, was a little shaken up. But the cops gave me a parking ticket and towed the car. So I kept drinking as, as, as I had been. Um... All this time, I was sort of like trying to get a music degree at the community college, and then I eventually uh, transferred to a, another university in town. I really think that I started to pursue music like just because it seemed like an easy way to get fucked up all the time. And it was. It definitely was that for several years. Um, just terrible, man. I had a lot of good opportunities that I, that I trashed in favor of drinking and smoking weed, and sometimes doing cocaine and definitely sometimes doing cocaine. Then in 2005, I totaled another car, my mom's Volvo. Um, I was drinking by myself, as per usual, and the last thing I remember was just, like, careening south on 95. Who knows where I was going? I was, like, an hour and 15 minutes from my house by the time I crashed the car, and, like... 
I just like somehow came out of my blackout momentarily and I was like I'm sure there was like this twisted grimace of like ecstasy and horror on my face as my foot was like totally planted to the floor on the gas and I like remember like sort of vaguely trying to take my foot off the gas but like I couldn't you know I fucking couldn't do it and then uh you know, probably a couple minutes later, I'm, like, pulling myself out of the airbag and my seatbelt and uh, trying to hide under, like, a little rabbit hutch on a farm that I found. Um, I blew, like, a point three one. Um, probably, like, six hours after I'd stopped drinking. Um, it was bad. I felt a lot of consequences, a lot of money. I spent a few days in jail. Um, it was embarrassing for sure, and this was when I actually got convicted of a DUI, and I went to my first couple AA meetings. I never really knew what AA was. I, like, sort of vaguely heard of AA. I don't think I even knew enough about it to assume that it was a religious cult. Um, but I went to a couple meetings... I was probably dry. I stayed dry for 11 months. For some reason, I remember that it was 11 months. I could, I, I thought I would make it a year for sure, and I couldn't. I couldn't make it a fucking year. Um, and what happened, you know? Uh, why did I drink again? And it's definitely true that uh, I had no better, better clue than you or anyone else why I took that first drink, you know? How did I make it 11 months without drinking? And then it was just a night like any fucking other. And there I was fucking drinking vodka by myself in the stairwell outside my parents' house. Um, and the problem was obvious, you know. I didn't change my friends. I didn't change my habits. I was still going to bars, still playing in the same shitty bands. Um, and it was just waiting to happen. It was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was totally fucking miserable. So I fucking started drinking again. It was off to the races. Now, in 2007, something interesting happened. I had just gotten my driver's license back, and I got a gig. I got, like, a real fucking gig as a guitar player with a large touring production show that traveled the United States on a train not unlike that one. <laughs> it was a show featuring animal acts and other traditional circus elements, which we can call a circus. Oh, man, that's, be that's a beautiful sound. That brings me back for sure. And I did that for three years. It was the first time I came to Austin in 2007. Got super drunk on Dirty Six at bars that are no longer there for sure. Uh, my drinking accelerated during this time. I remember distinctly that this was when I really started drinking in the morning. Um, and it was just another one of those things. I don't know how I had stayed away from drinking in the morning for so long, probably just because I lived in my parents' house and, like, had classes that I sort of felt compelled to go to. Um, but I remember one day getting out of bed, feeling wretchedly hungover, and just going to sort of the half-empty bottle of vodka on my shelf and just being like, well, this is happening now. And then that was my life for the next two and a half years or what have you. Um, all sorts of fun war stories uh, from that time, needless to say which led to me getting fired in the year of 2010, just about exactly three years later. We were in Hampton, Virginia. Good thing we were close, uh, close to where my parents live. I'm from Fairfax, Virginia, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, 
so we were in Hampton, and I got fucking shit housed before the show. It was one of those infamous split show days. So 10 o'clock show for the little kids in school, and then 7.30 show at night for the grown-ups on a date. Friday. In between shows, I got shit housed. That's like, what, seven hours? Seven solid hours just wandering around Hampton drinking? That was a wreck. Um, Jack and Cokes that day. I was never really like a picky drinker, except for wine. I hate fucking red wine. I really think I would have rather been sober than drink red wine. <laughs> Not literally, but like just so you understand how much I hated red wine. Um, and then I smoked some weed. It was it was terrible. Um, it was terrible. I could spend 45 minutes talking about just the first three minutes of that show and my performance. Um, I peed on the stage next to some kids during the national anthem um, and went downhill from there. It was bad. <laughs> and uh, that really wasn't the first time that something like that had happened. It was a crazy thing. Um, but it, was, it was a fucking circus, and I probably would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for the meddling HR director that just happened to be there. So anyways, no more circus for Johnny Blaze. Um, I went home in disgrace. Um, you know, and it was kind of like, what, what am I doing? I tried to reapply to school because I'd never finished my degree and I couldn't stop drinking. Like I would try to fill out applications. I would try to get a job and I would just be drinking like in the morning, like all the time. And it wasn't working out. And, uh, so finally I kind of like leveled with my parents and said like, I need to, I need to fucking quit. And so I did. And I went back to school and I was fucking dry for like, uh, maybe like a year and a half. Is that possible that I didn't drink for a year and a half? Um, it's not possible because now I remember that um, I took a week off of school um, and locked myself in a hotel and drank and thought about killing myself a lot. Um, so except for that week, though, I did not drink or use any sort of really drugs except for cigarettes. Uh is this, is this interesting? Is this good? Am I doing well? Okay. I'm going to get to the solution here real quick, guys. Don't worry. Um, so, yeah, I managed to finish school. Um, I managed to finish a music degree while simultaneously declining any opportunity to actually, like, perform music or teach music or really, like, be a part of the music community. I think I had a resentment towards the circus for firing me for, like, music at large um, I was afraid still, for sure, and so, like, really, I was just, like, almost finishing this degree out of spite, like, <laughs> just like a, a fuck you to all my teachers or something, um, <laughs> and I remember this teacher that taught theory, she kept asking me, are you still here, and she was asking me that before I went on tour, she was like, are you still here, um, it was embarrassing, y'all, um, and what did I do, I worked in a restaurant, but I stayed dry, and then, like, after finishing my music degree, I got a job on cruise ships, and I really joined the ship with the best of intentions, like, I'm just gonna keep not drinking. Have you all ever been on a cruise ship? You don't, you don't not drink on a cruise ship. It was the first night, um, the first night that I signed on, and I went back and saw that glorious crew bar on the back of the ship with, like, the rolling waves and that crisp sea air, and all the guys in the band sitting around drinking, drinking for cheap. 
I went to the bar and ordered a double Grey Goose with soda. A huge one. Two dollars. Two dollars and seventeen cents with tax. Um, and even still, with those low prices, y'all, I would spend my whole paycheck on booze. I'd spend my whole paycheck. Like, we would go to get our paychecks, and they would print a little receipt of all the money you'd spend, and then, like, you would get the remainder, like, deposited into your account. And, like, all the nice working guys were, like, just, just like, a fucking pack of Vienna sausages or whatever they bought at the store. And then me and my shit-ass friends was, like, <laughs> and poor Renata, like, the Filipino, like, payment person was, like, ooh, that's a long one. I'm like, yeah, it's not what I need to hear right now, but thanks. What's left? Mm, not much. So I did ships for two years, got fired from a ship. Um, fucking, I couldn't go home, y'all. I couldn't face the music. I was afraid. I was fucking afraid. I was really fucking afraid. I spent like a month and a half after I got kicked off the Navigator just like sort of wandering from Montego Bay to Miami to Pensacola to Austin to fucking Ephraim, Utah of all places. Just like trying to still party as if I had a job. Um, burned through money real quick and I had to get a job on another ship. And so I did. And I got super blasted uh, with the band and almost got arrested staying at the hotel waiting for the ship and then I stayed dry for four months and I actually like practiced and I was doing well and still knew nothing about AA really but I was not drinking I was like sleeping sort of and uh, working out and doing pretty well you know and uh, people noticed they said man John you're doing great man we really like you. We want you to succeed. We're going to promote you to the band leader position on your next ship. I was like, that's fucking cool. Um, on my next ship, I started drinking. <laughs> so, yeah, I got fucking shit canned again. So, two years, four ships, two firings. Went back home, started bartending, fucking death spiral. Two super close calls, getting pulled over, drunk. Um, got some more drunken publics. Drunken publics have been a big part of my story, by the way. I haven't mentioned a lot of those, but yeah, um, I love getting drunk in public and getting arrested for it. I really do. Um, and I was in a fucking spiral, and so I did a geographic, I did a geographic, um, whereby I decided to move to Austin in some sort of crazy hope that, uh, things would get better for me somehow. Um, I moved here, kept on drinking. It's hard to say that my drinking accelerated at this point, because really I think I was already at the level that my body could handle, um, way past that level. And just kept drinking. I was really fucking depressed. I was working at this restaurant on West 6th, <sighs> and started dating this girl. Uh, we'll call her Sierra, to protect the innocent. Um... Sierra and I would drink and smoke weed and do cocaine. And then, what happened? There's something here. I got another DUI. I got my second DUI. After ten years of staying away from it somehow, and maybe like five years where I really didn't drink and drive, um, then, you know, 
I mean, I remember just driving around South Austin, like, with a beer in my cup holder, thinking to myself, like, why do I think this is okay, you know? But just the total insanity of the disease. The total fucking insanity of the disease, y'all. And so, I got a DUI. Sierra was in the car. Um, got a huge resentment towards her. Um, and, you know... I spent a night or two in jail and then went to one of those court-ordered alcohol programs and those fucking court-ordered alcohol programs, they don't always work, they almost never do, but in my case it sort of did. Um, this guy gave us this sheet, uh, it was like a map of the alcoholic's path and this sheet had been drawn up like in the 30s sometime by some doctor and he was like, this is what happens, you black out you have consequences with the law, you have some relationship issues, you get fired from jobs. And I was like, okay, yeah, I've done some of those, but so what? And then I'm like looking at the rest of the path and it's like, okay, like more really bad problems, potential homelessness, cirrhosis of the liver, um, you know, terrible injuries, you know, more problems with relationships and family. Um, and I'm like, man, I, I don't want to do any of that, and I don't know what it was, I think, like, maybe I was just sort of dry enough that it made sense to me, and I was like, holy shit, this guy figured this out, like, 80 years ago, and I'm, like, still here, like, making these same mistakes, and, um, you know, the other, the other path was fucking abstinence from alcohol, and so I was like, okay, fucking, you know, wise old, court-ordered alcohol program guy, like, how do you abstain from alcohol? He's like, I recommend AA. And I was like, great. I went to Cherry Creek, Friday night, beginner meeting. Um, I was still dating Sierra, and, you know, I would go to, like, two meetings a week. <sighs> the good thing that happened was that Sierra started getting sober at the same time I did. So, it was easy for me to not drink. I wish everyone could have the easy 30 days that, the first 30 days that I did. Um, it was a cakewalk. We just did our relationship thing, even though I was still working at the restaurant and around alcohol. It was like, whatever. And we just didn't drink. Um, she wasn't going to meetings or working a program or anything. Um, but it was, it was fucking easy to not, not drink, really, for that first year. Um, we probably still smoked weed every now and again. After six months, I got a sponsor just because I was, like, sitting in meetings, hearing about steps, and, like, sort of just started feeling awkward, like, everyone else is, like, happy and doing these steps, and, like, I'm not, like, what the fuck, and I got a six-month chip at Cherry Creek, and I gave my little speech, like, how'd you do it, John, and, uh, I probably sounded fucking batshit insane, and so this guy, Max, came up to me afterwards, he was like, do you need a sponsor, I was like, yeah, I guess I do, and so I started working the steps. One and two were pretty easy. Two, I had, like, came to believe. One, oh, man, I left out my first step experience. I want to jump into the solution, but the first step experience was pretty crazy. I might circle back to it. Um, so, yeah, one and two were pretty simple. Three, for me, was transformative. So three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Um, and I remember, like really like meditating on this and like writing about it like what does that look like for me um and like thinking of how I could be of service and like it started to occur to me like being in meetings like how selfish 
my life really was. Like, I remember hearing some guy share something, and, like, I wish I could remember what he said. Because it was so fucking simple, y'all. And, like, it just clicked in my brain, and I was, like, horrified at how it never occurred to me that there are, like, other live human beings that have, like, feelings just like I do. And that they are, like you know, as important or even more important to, like, what's happening to me as I am in a lot of ways. Um, and then I remember being at the 617 Foundation and uh, my sponsor took me by the hand and we recited the third step prayer. Um, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Um, fuck, what's the rest of it? Relieve me of the bondage of self. That I may better do thy will. Thank you. Um, I say that prayer every morning, but now I'm like having a brain fart, of course, because I'm like out of context here. Um, and anyways, I had like a really powerful experience when that happened. Like I felt the presence of a higher power. I call my higher power God um, because I like to say prayers out loud. And so I feel like I have to call it something. Um, so that was like a big deal for me. And I started saying the third step prayer every day, every morning when I woke up, I would say it, um, and I memorized it, I memorized it straight out of the book, um, despite what that awful performance might lead you to believe, and, uh, God, like, it really, things started to make sense to me, things really started to make sense to me, um, and I had been super jazzed about going into my fourth step, I knew that was important, and of course, when he got there, I was no longer very jazzed about doing it. Like, once I saw what it was, I was no longer jazzed. Um, probably meddled around for, like, two months. Um, yeah. God, I did a fifth step eventually. I'll go into eventually I broke up with Sierra. It was very stressful. It was a hugely stressful breakup. Um, but I never felt the need to drink or use drugs on account of it. It didn't even really occur to me until months later, like, God, how, that was so stressful, and, like, I never even thought about drinking. Thank God I had started working some steps by then. Um, so, yeah, eventually I did a fourth step. I already talked about some of my character defects. Um, I like to isolate, and I'm selfish, and I'm a fucking liar, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid of everything, and I resent anything that has control over me, which is, like, an unfortunate amount of things. Um, and so I did the fifth step, and he was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and then he told me, go home and do your six-step meditation, and I tried to do it, but instead, uh, Sierra and I got wretchedly sick, and I spent the next 24 hours, like, vomiting. Um, and then, like, I really, like, stopped working the steps, it, sincerely and I broke up with the girl and what I found was remember how when I came in and we were like not drinking and it was really easy what I'd found is that now after like a year of being sober like I really had no good habits in the program because I had really just been leaning on her for my sobriety I didn't really have any friends in the program I wasn't in the habit of calling people my sponsor told me to call him every night for some reason that was like super difficult for me to do um I was sort of getting accustomed to the praying thing, um, but just barely. I would forget sometimes, but then I would, like, pull the car over, and I would do it. I would do it on the side of the road, um, and now I never forget. But I stopped working the steps, y'all, so I really just worked, like, half the steps. 
which is a shame because six and seven are crucial, eight and nine is crucial. And so I started getting dry and I did marijuana maintenance for a while. And then April 1st of 2018, I finally ditched the weed. I got a new sponsor, another guy from Cherry Creek. And that was great, man. I mean, ditching the weed was way harder than ditching the booze because I was totally alone. And I was smoking weed exactly the same way I used to drink, just like all day ad nauseum and really feeling no effects anymore. Um... But I stopped, and just, like, stopping was, like, hugely emotional. I mean, I would wake up at, like, 4.30, 5 in the morning and just, like, start crying. Um, I started listening to this band called Snarky Puppy a lot. Um, big shout-out to Snarky Puppy. <laughs> um, but anyways, and I really started to get sober when I got rid of the fucking weed, got a new sponsor, and worked all 12 steps in earnest. Um, worked all 12 steps in earnest, did another much larger, more thorough fifth step, and really felt like a huge weight off my chest. Because I'd been getting dry, y'all. I'd been getting angry. I'm a very angry person. I didn't even mention that. I'm very angry. Um, not so much anymore. Not at all anymore, hardly. It's insane after I did that second fifth step, how much that anger left me. It was like that. I mean, I did it, and I talked... I was really open about, like, um, people that I had manipulated and lied to and, like, my sexual issues and, like, like isolating and really, like, embarrassing stuff that I had been holding on to. Um, and then, like, things started to make sense to me. I was working at this Italian place downtown and not drinking, still, like, by the grace of God, like, the desire to drink had been removed. Um, and this is when I finally started sponsoring some guys, and I meant to make a list of all the dudes I had tried to sponsor. It's probably been like 20 by now. 16 were like total flakes. Uh, one's pretty good. Um, and two more sort of like in and out, like sometimes they call me. Um, and I worked the steps with them, you know, the way it was shown to me. That's all I can really do. Like first step fucking write a pros and cons like what are the pros and cons of drinking alcohol because that was pretty eye-opening when I did that the first time I mean I already sort of knew but it was like basically one pro at that time was it makes my tummy feel a little bit fuzzy and then like the cons was like well I've talked about most of them <laughs> and uh I'm big on the third step prayer like memorize that shit or come up with a good fucking facsimile and say that shit every day get on your knees and say that shit there's a guy that comes here bob he recommends putting your shoes under the bed at night so that when you wake up you have to get under the bed and you'll be on your knees digging for those shoes whatever works um i keep my shoes by the door which has been which has been fine i mentioned i pray at night before i go to bed as well um I got like 10 minutes. I told you 45 minutes wasn't enough. I'm like barely in the solution. All right. The solution's where it's at, y'all. The solution is where it's super at. Um, yeah, the sponsee I have that's good. Uh, we did a super exhaustive fourth, fourth and fifth step, which was super interesting. And it helped me so much. I mean, even these flakes, like it just, it means so much that someone would fucking like even asked me to be a sponsor, like, half-heartedly, or whatever, I mean, it's just crazy, like, 
I've had a service commitment here at Bolden for the past two years. Um, and when this guy, who I'm sure most of you know, he asked me to do it two years ago, I was like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Like, two years? And, like, I got to do what? Like, pay the rent for the group? Are you serious? And, like... <laughs> He just like twisted my arm and I fucking did it because I'm also sort of like a people pleaser and I hate confrontation and like I fucking did it dude he was like two years from now you'll still be sober and he was fucking right dude he was fucking right I'm still fucking sober man. I'm still fucking sober and like this shit hasn't been perfect it hasn't been fucking perfect at all um I still don't have super great habits in the program, except for the praying, but I swear the praying has kept me from the booze, it's kept me alive, um, I would get, like, resentments that AA was taking up too much of my time or something, and I would stop going to meetings or whatever, um, or I'd just get bored, um, or whatever, I've never been a big, like, routine guy, like I said, even when I drank, like, it would be different every day from hour to hour, beer, whiskey, gin, whatever. Um, and maybe I've worked my program in the same way. I've gone to different meetings. I went to Westlake for a while. Um, but man, like, I'm still fucking sober, you know? They say half, half measures availed us nothing. Uh, a lady that comes here says half measures availed her her life. And I kind of feel like I'm in that camp, because... I kept coming back, like eventually I would come back. I said the prayers a lot of times, it was just sort of like reciting them out of like a superstition. Superstition that if I didn't say the prayers, I might fucking drink. And I don't want to fucking drink, y'all. Like, I'm convinced. I'm really fucking convinced. I cannot drink. Um, I cannot drink normally. I'll skip the first step experience because it doesn't matter. Suffice to say, like... I, I get it. I can't drink normally. But I also get that that self-awareness is not going to keep me sober. It doesn't. And there are a zillion stories in this book about where self-awareness has failed. Like, I need to be working this program. And uh, in the course of the past couple months, I've actually been doing a little bit better, which is good. Maybe because I got a job. I'm kind of like one of those, like, American men that, like, validates himself based on his employment and shit. So... Oh, yeah. I got fired from that Italian place um, after being off of alcohol for three years. I did something really dumb and rude and embarrassing and got fired. Um, but I worked a 10-step on it, and I made my amends to all the people that I'd hurt there. And that was it. It was over. I didn't have to drink about it. And, yeah, I kind of spiraled for three months wondering what I sh should do. And things were sort of bad and weird, but I didn't fucking drink. Eventually got a new job that was way fucking cooler than that stupid restaurant. And, uh, you know, then that one I got, you know, downsized from, pandemic shit, whatever, sort of spiraled again. Um, three months ago, y'all, I was in a bad spot. I'll be honest with you, I was in a bad spot. Like, I was really hating myself um, and really just, like, didn't know what to do. What to do is call your fucking sponsor or some other drunks and go to meetings, by the way, <laughs> in case I haven't made that clear. That's what to do. And believe it or not, that worked. Um, I started being of, of service again to the group. I mean, I was still doing my service commitment.
I swear that damn service commitment man, just like showing up to the steering committee once a month, like, kept me sober, when I wouldn't go to meetings otherwise for, like, three or four weeks at a time. I mean, it was bad, dude. I haven't been good at this AA stuff. I haven't, I haven't been totally good on it, but I keep coming back, and, you know, if, if you take any sort of advice from this fucking stream of conscious verbal diarrhea that's been happening for the last 42 minutes, just come back. If you slip, come back. Like, we're here for you. Like, this program's not going anywhere. Um, it's been pretty fucking successful for 85 years now. It's getting better all the time. I think this pandemic, I mean, has really, like, tested us, but we've grown in interesting ways. It's fucking cool and just awesome to be a part of. It's, like, super democratic and anarchic, and um, it just I just love it because we all fucking get each other. Normies don't fucking get us, dude. Normies don't fucking get us. Like, I love my parents, and I'm so blessed that they're still in my life. They're still together. They're totally fucking normal. I've been together for, like, 40-some years. Maybe 50. I don't know. I think it was a big one lately. I don't do this shit perfectly, y'all. Um, but I'm just so blessed that they're in my life and that they love me and that I love them. But if it were up to them, y'all, I'd still be drunk that's the long and short of it, it doesn't matter how much they love me, they're fucking normies, and they don't get it, they don't get it, y'all, um, and it's tragic, it's just part of the disease, I've heard nine out of ten people in the world, in the world are normies, uh, one out of ten are us lucky ones, um, so that's why I fucking gotta keep coming back, I gotta keep talking to drunks, I gotta keep talking to people that understand how I feel in this disease, and I gotta keep sponsoring, sponsoring dudes, you know, and I think maybe that's sort of been something that's missing for me, like, my good sponsee is kind of, he, like, moved away, and he's sort of, like, coasting, and now I'm sort of coasting, and it's like, I don't, I don't coast, y'all, I'm all or nothing, like, coasting is not good, coasting is complacency, coasting is isolating, coasting is withdrawing, coasting is resting on my laurels, coasting is getting, getting comfortable with being bored, and that's not a fucking place that I need to be in, um, but I'm just so grateful for the fucking Bolden group, and to, you know, have you all here, I mean, four and a half years ago, like, who would have thought that anybody would ever ask me to fucking pay the rent for this fucking house, are you <laughs> shitting me? Like, or have responsibility for anything, and now it's like, people like me, I mean, they think I'm responsible, and, like, people ask me for advice, which is, like, bizarre, and not even just about staying sober sometimes, about other shit. Um, ooh, I'll mention that. Uh, that was something awkward that I had to learn about sponsoring dudes, like, I'm not there to, like, offer them advice on their relationship and shit or their finances, or kind of other shit that they're going through, you know, I kind of felt like I had to be like this all-knowing spiritual guru for a while, and then, uh, you know, I had to, whoa, back it up and keep it really fucking simple, and just focus on, like, working the steps the way I know how, which is this fucking book, and the prayers, and writing the fucking columns for the fourth step, and reading Drop the Rock on six and seven, and fucking really getting some help with those amends. 
Um, I really needed a lot of help with that because there were some people that I would have fucking mouthed off to and gotten self-righteous with and thought I was, like, making amend when really I just wanted to, like, show off how good I was doing or, or whatever. That doesn't help anybody, uh, certainly not myself. Um, and that's really, that's really all I have to say about that. Maybe 45 minutes was enough time. Um, I know that was a fucking clusterfuck, y'all. I really appreciate you being here. Um, uh, but yeah, just know that this program and these four and a half years off the booze have, have changed my life. I highly recommend it. Um, and I'll close with this awesome quote from the book that I love every time you read it. Now there's a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved. In return for a bottle and a hangover, I've been given the keys to the kingdom. Thanks a lot for being here, y'all. That's my story.